Today's episode is brought to you by the XR Week. The XR Week is a virtual expo about XR for business applications taking place from 17th to 21st of May. Get impulses for your own company at innovative lectures, make new contacts and exchange ideas about the latest technologies and the latest hardware. Register now as a visitor, exhibitor or sponsor and become part of the XR Week at xr-week.converf.il. Welcome to the Next Dimension Podcast, your portal to an extended reality. Every week we talk about the hottest topics in XR and let you join the discussion live on MRTV. And now, get ready for another exciting episode. Hi and welcome to episode 20 of the Next Dimension podcast. Your new podcast that's all about VR and also a bit of AR. And today I'm really happy because we're going to have an amazing show. With us tonight is Tommy Palm, the CEO of, of Resolution Games, who has just launched Demio. Tommy, thanks for being here and how are you doing? Hello, I'm very good, thank you. And you are in Stockholm, and to, tonight we're going to talk about, yeah, everything about Demio, and I can't wait to hear directly from you how it was to develop that amazing game. That, that, that I can already tell everyone, this game is absolutely amazing. Also, I'm super happy to have Tatiana back. Tatiana from Disco VR, an amazing, really, really wonderful channel about virtual reality. So Tatiana, how are you doing tonight? Fantastic, I'm doing so great. I'm happy to be here, it's always a pleasure. Perfect. So good. We haven't talked for each other for a long time. No, yesterday we were playing Demio together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we cut up. We cut up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you have a wonderful video of that session on your channel, Disco VR. So everyone, please check out her channel. It's fantastic. And you can find Gary, Tatiana and me playing Demio. And also here, of course, Gary Walkton, the author of The Memory Engine and also a YouTube, YouTuber and with the great channel Immersed Robot. <laughs> Gary, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing pretty pretty good, thank you. I think YouTube is elevating it a bit beyond what it is at the moment. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay. It's going okay. Just doing a few videos here and there. And uh, yeah, I'm enjoying doing it. But it's great to be back on the show again. Um, you know, I, I, I try to be on the show as much as possible, but I can't uh, be here every week. And I, it's just a great time. I love talking about virtual reality. So it's, it's good to be back. Yeah. I also enjoy it so much to talk about virtual reality. And then it's so great to have people like Tommy here, right? It's, it's just amazing. I'm just so glad to make this podcast and I hope everyone is enjoying it too. My name is Sebastian Ang. I'm the host of the show and the founder of MRTV, the channel that you're watching right now. Yeah, so for all of you who don't know yet about the Next Dimension podcast, that this podcast is being live streamed every Saturday at 9 p.m. Stockholm time, 8 p.m. in London, uh, noon in San Francisco, and 3 p.m. in New York City. And you can also listen to it as an audio podcast on all the podcast providers, iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Alexa. And if you enjoy this podcast, after these 20 shows that we did, I believe that now would be a great time to give us a five-star review on iTunes. So get out your iPhone or iPad 
and simply open the podcast app. It's already pre-installed. And please also look for the Next Dimension podcast and give us a five-star review that absolutely helps more people to find this podcast. And this is how you could say thank you. So today's show, I'm really super excited about it. We have actually like two huge topics. And these topics are, of course, we're going to talk about Demio. We're going to find out all of the details about this game, how we felt playing it, and how Tommy felt making it. And uh, yeah, that's going to be really, really cool. And that's in the, 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 the last part of this episode, in the second part. And in the first part, we're going to talk about some current other topics. And the biggest topic, of course, being ViveCon coming up very soon on 11th of May. And the new HTC headsets are being um, shown there for the first time. And there have been some spicy rumors already of HTC launching a Vive Pro 2 and a Vive Focus 3. And also, we already heard about some leaked prices like $900 and $1,500 or $1,700 for the standalone headset. So we're going to talk about all this in today's show. That is going to be really, really interesting. And for the first time, this podcast is being sponsored by XR Week. XR Week is a virtual expo taking place from 17th of May until 21st of May. And it's an expo that is all about XR for business. So if you want to know how you can use XR for work and for business, please check them out. The link is down in the description of this video. Yes, now we're through. And now we're going to talk about what we did in the last week. And I want to take this chance to get to know Tommy a bit. So, Tommy Palm, you are the um, CEO of Resolution Games and you are a maker of VR games. But before your time in VR, you have worked on and basically made a game that probably all of us know and that is Candy Crush. <laughs> I know <Woo> that <laughs> probably, probably everyone who's watching this has already played this and probably you're already tired of talking about it. But I simply, before we talk about VR, I simply want to mention it that you have, you had a life before VR. But now tell us, what made you um, feel so excited about virtual reality that now you're all into VR games? Uh, well, I've been I've been into games for a really long time. I, I started making games back in, in the mid '80s with uh, with our CTO Martin. Uh, him and me grew up together, and he uh, he taught me how to program. Uh, and um, then in, in the early 90s, I tried the first like arcade VR machine. And, and I always thought that that would be like the future of games, that you'd be inside the game world and just hang out with your friends there and just do incredible cool stuff that you saw in the movies back then in the, in the 80s and 90s. And uh, yeah, in 2014, I saw the, the, the Samsung gear vr headset and i felt that this was something that was very concrete it was using a smartphone for for the computing power uh, and that was something that i've had spent already almost 20 years uh, optimizing for so so uh, i thought i'll bring the old gang back together and we'll, we'll make uh, vr games for that and yeah that was six and a half years ago and, and here we are today still yeah, right. Going at it strong. 
Yeah, exactly. And actually, I can remember those early times very well because I had another channel before MRTV, which was called Daydream District. And I was covering Daydream as like the only person in the world, probably. <laughs> probably that's why it went down. But I can remember in 2017, we also had an interview and we were talking about, I think, it's, uh, was it called a Wonder Globe or what was the name of the game? Uh, some Wonder Glade. Yeah. Wonder Glade, exactly. That was Wonder Glade. It was an amazing game, actually, for the Daydream platform. Really, really cool. And since then, you had been spending yeah, so much time into virtual reality, and the games kept on coming. The resolution games was, like, so busy. Like, uh, yeah, like, launching all these games. So, um, Tommy, I, I simply want to ask you, um, why... Are you so persistent <laughs> with virtual reality? I mean, it's not a huge market right now, right? Still, if you compare it to your Candy Crush times or doing something for 2D audiences, I mean, the money is not there as compared to there. Is it simply you're so excited about the, the technology and why don't you go back to 2D? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be there. I think that this is... a. Uh, uh just the beginning of something really good. And, and uh, now, I mean, with the Quest 2, we're seeing completely different numbers. And uh, I can share here for the first time that uh, uh, Demio made uh, uh, half a million dollars uh, wow. in the first 48 hours. Wow, congratulations. Is, uh, wow. So I, I think the numbers are coming. And, and one thing that we're seeing with, with a lot of our old games is that they, um, they continue making money for a really long time. So if you can make half a million dollars in the first you know, Thursday and Friday, uh, and, and obviously Saturday and Sunday is the, the good days of the week uh, for selling VR game, um, then you have something very exciting there. So. Yeah. Early days, but uh, yeah, this is going to be a really big market. Wow, perfect. And now that you're on the Next Dimension podcast, the next half million is already already locked in for the game. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, really cool, really amazing. Um, Tommy, what I want to know, um, normally um, I ask the guests, what was your last week like? And as you are in your position as the CEO of Resolution Games, that you have now just launched the game, tell us a bit more about the days going towards the launch and the launch itself. How, how did you spend those days? Did you spend it together with your team? And um, how, how can we imagine these last days at Resolution Games in Stockholm? Well, uh it's still the pandemic here in, in Sweden and, and we have this third wave. So everybody's working from home. So, okay. which I have for the more than a year. Uh, so I, I, I do all the work from, from where, where I am right now. Um, but we meet each other online, of course, and, and we actually meet quite a lot in VR in the game. And we talk about the <laughs> game there. Like um we, we play the game we talk about design decisions and bugs and what we need to do and we take notes through the nose hole you know of the headset <laughs> which i think is very funny cool, yeah. um it's it's been you know it's it's a lot of uh, pressure because it's launch week so it's it's hard to sleep i've been doing way too little of that this week um and then every 
everyone has been quite anxious. We've, this is our most ambitious project so far. We've, we've spent more than three years developing this with our biggest biggest team on it. Most uh, um, more than twenty people at least, like full time, and then people have come dipped in and out of the project. So, so okay. um, yeah, so <laughs> a lot of high hopes on 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 the the launch and. Uh, obviously, that went fantastic on on uh, Thursday. Yeah, yeah, right. Wow, congratulations! We're going to talk so much more about the game, so we're just dipping our toes now here into it. And uh, wow, three years working on that with twenty people in Stockholm in Sweden, which is uh, like not a low cost country. So <laughs> you can just imagine like what kind of money it costs to make such a game. And wow. Yeah, it better play. It better, um, yeah, result in some good outcome. But it seems like it really does. So, but the quality shows. The yeah. quality of the game shows is exactly. so polished, which is rare for VR games nowadays. Like they try to produce them, but this one just seems like it. It's it, it's so great in terms of like the quality in the little details. You can tell that these. So many professionals were working on it for a very long time. Like it really does show. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of passion. One of the great things with working with games in general is people love what they do. They they often like they they came into the industry because they love playing games, and and like this is their chance to to put their mark on on history and 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 uh, you can really see that in in all the minute details. Like and. And you have you're combining all these different people are like experts on sound effects or experts on music and experts on animation and 3D and all these different tasks and they all collaborate together so incredibly well. So I can only recommend to people to to go into video game. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. I might think about it. It's it's really an exciting business. But not as simple, right? And uh, yeah, you need lots of um, training, I believe, to to become successful like you are now. Wow, very interesting. So uh, before we go around to the next people here in, in the talk, I want to ask you, what games do you actually like to play in VR, Tommy, in general, other than Demeo? Uh, other than Demeo, actually. <laughs> it was funny because I... I, I, uh, I we launched the game, and then yesterday was Friday evening, and and uh, I started chatting with one of my old best friends, and he's he had a, an Oculus Quest that he hadn't been using a lot, and he heard about the game, and so we actually played Demio like on my first <laughs> night off in a real long time. I spent it playing Demio, and so I spent funny. hundreds of hours playing it. So that's kind of uh, it's a really uh, fun thing. I've also been very impressed with uh, fast travel games. If you if you know that company, yeah, of the course, Swedish they are your neighbors that, there. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did a horror game recently. It was great. Yes, great. Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I cannot. I cannot even try those games because I'm so afraid. So fast travel games. Sorry about that, but I think I should still have a look at it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. 
Tommy, thank you for that now. Uh, we're going to talk much more about all kind of different topics here. It's going to be a really, really cool evening here. Thanks again for, for joining us. Perfect. Yeah, and now I would like to uh, know about Tatiana. How was your uh, last couple of weeks? What, did you, what have you been up to? Well, it's been very exciting. It's really hard not to talk about Demir right now <laughs> since like, I have so many you know, things to say, questions. But just the thing that Tommy said that he spent hours already playing that game means it doesn't get boring. <laughs> you, you just keep wanting to replay it and keep beating it. So, oh my gosh. Anyway, I'm going to talk about different games. I did finally manage to catch up with some other games that I wanted to. And I played... Uh, also, a game that was released recently called Mask Maker, and I was so, so excited about it because it's from the same developers who created The Fisherman's Tale, and that's uh, probably my favorite story-driven puzzle game because of this beautiful storyline and how all the little things like voice acting, the gameplay, it's so engaging, it's so beautiful. And I was super excited to get a new puzzle game from then, from them. And Mask Maker is quite different, but it's just, uh, it's it's art. These kind of games from that company is just art. I, I love it. So I, I definitely recommend if you like very chill and smooth puzzles that have a very creative gameplay. And another game that I played, is one my new favorite, is actually Archaixer. And that's, uh, well, it's a turn-based RPG, but it's not a tabletop. <laughs> so it's not like Demia. It's more like the Final Fantasy series. If you have played that, I, I don't know, but I love Final Fantasy series. And that's probably the first game that I saw that was similar to that in this gameplay. Uh, what and is I the really, name again? I really enjoyed it. Ark Aixer. So A R C. A-X-E-R. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and it's it's from App Labs. So it's not in the official store, but in App Labs. But it's, um, yeah, it's it's funny because you have this godlike view, kind of like in Demio when you're uh, um, controlling your character to also go up the, the ladder or the tower. But then when you're being attacked by an enemy, you suddenly become, the view turns to the first person and you get this turn-based battle and you have to move your body to avoid the attacks and all these different fireballs and laser beams and some kind of fish jumping off while you're trying to hurt you and you, you try to avoid all of that. And then you collect the special abilities to to fight them back. So that, that's really fun because I thought at first that it was just a sitting game. You can play it while sitting, but no, you actually have to like move around and try to evade all these attacks. So it's really, this really sounds fun. sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, I definitely recommend that game. It's, 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 it's a ton of fun. Yeah, so uh, I was super happy to be able to catch up with some of the gaming. Um, I'm actually more free with work. I have submitted three papers, one to the journal and two to oh. book chapter. And I'm feeling extremely productive. Wow. And <laughs> now I feel like I deserve to play some VR. <laughs> <laughs> you do. <laughs> and you did. <laughs> yeah. So that was my week. Okay, cool. Yeah, very good. How about you, Gary? What what have you been doing? What have you been up to? Um, a lot of Airlink actually. I've been trying um, Airlink out and sort of comparing it and contrasting it with virtual desktop and that kind of stuff. So I've been trying a lot of different titles on the Quest. Really, I've been playing Quest more than anything else. Really, um, this past couple of weeks. Um, so I've not touched a lot of PC VR, but I have been playing 
PC VR titles through the Quest. Um, and the last week you had the developer for VR Skater on the show, and I played that through Airlink. Works great through Airlink, by the way. Um, and it's a really cool. It's very early days. I will say it's very early days with that title, um, but you can see where it's going, and it's just a joy to play. It's really, uh, you know, it's quite an addictive game. You do these runs, and then you want to play the runs again and again. Um, and I've only sort of dabbled in it so far because I've, you know, I've been trying all of these different Airlink titles as well. So um, Elite Dangerous and that kind of stuff. And actually, I'm, I'm running through um, uh, the gallery episode two, Heart of the Emberstone, because I never finished that when ah. it came out all those years ago. Um, and Cloudhead, I think they did a great job on those two episodes. Um, and I'm just trying to get that finished. And it's a great game. And when I can play it in the living room, you know, I'm not secluding myself away in the office, away from my family. I can still sort of interact with them while I'm playing uh, through these games on the Quest. It's And it works great. It works really great with uh, Airlink. So, yeah, I've been doing a lot of that stuff this past week. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it, really. Um, just the same old stuff. But, yeah, that's my week. Okay. How about you, Sebastian? Cool. Yeah, so uh, I'm currently working on the first startup pitch event that I'm hosting. It's called Pitch MRTV. And um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. So for all the people who are working in VR or AR startups, they can apply. They simply send me their one-minute um, elevator pitch talking about what they're doing. And what I'm doing right now is like I'm looking at them and um, I want to hold this, no, I will hold this pitch event completely in virtual reality. So that is going to be pretty exciting, I believe. In general, I believe that pitch events are super exciting because you can watch it and it's, it's so interesting to see those startups who want to convince you that their idea is cool and they only have like a super limited time to do so, right? And then they are asking for, I don't know, it could be like funding or it could be like downloads or or people to work with them. So I am super excited about this pitch MRTV. So if there's any startup out there who wants to yeah talk about talk in front of the yeah tens of thousands of my subscribers then please get in touch with me send me your one minute pitch it doesn't it's not about the production values of this one minute simply take your smartphone and talk into your phone and simply tell us tell me about what you're doing and then on 19th of may you can probably pitch at pitch mrtv so that is what i've been working on that's one thing Super exciting. That's very interesting. That's it very is. interesting. So are you um, offering the promotion on your channel or are yeah, you right. actually planning to invest in some of these ideas if you find something very, very good? <laughs> something is super awesome, perhaps. But there's also going to be investors who will watch those pitches. And who knows? It doesn't need to be me. Probably um, Tommy sees something interesting that he wants to invest in. So I, I believe it's it's great to shine a light on entrepreneurs in our field that we love, VR, right? Tom is also, of course, an entrepreneur, right? It's like uh, we are all um, doing something about virtual reality, bringing, uh, trying to push VR forward. So I want to shine a light on that, that it's a struggle. Yeah, also MRTV, it's also a startup in this, in this field, right? And it's like uh, th this, the beginnings here right now, they're super hard, <laughs> but I think we all have this crazy passion about VR, right? and that's why we're doing this, believe in it, and um, yeah, that's why we're sticking to it. Like, Tommy, you, you have so many games 
that you that you have launched already. You you like persisting persistent, and I think that's that really you can tell that in many of the VR entrepreneurs right now when it's not mainstream yet. So it's exciting to shine a light on that and also on the investors because there are investors who believe in that and they are also very important. So pitch MRTV going to happen here on the channel on 19th of May. Yep, that's what I've been working on. And then another really cool thing that I did in virtual reality, I am one of the lucky few people <coughs> who have a Plutosphere account. And that is truly, truly the next level of virtual reality of our industry, in my opinion. So for all of you who don't know Plutosphere, it is cloud-based streaming. So once you have an account, you download a client app to your Quest or Quest 2. And you then you simply play SteamVR games that are streamed to you from the cloud. You get in, you get you get your um, account there. You log into your Steam VR on that remote server from Plutosphere. You download your Steam VR games to that to that computer, and then you stream it to your Quest over your network. And I was shocked. <laughs> I was absolutely shocked because I could feel no difference as compared to playing with virtual desktop and Airlink, even though. That server is on the Amazon cloud. It is absolutely magic. It is the next huge thing. It's the it's a game changer. And now that I have that account, I know that is going to be the next huge thing. And it's not so far away, right? It's not years away. It's now. So it's really cool. And that's also why I believe that PC VR is not dead. So the next platform that can actually compete with the Quest Store is going to be SteamVR streamed from the cloud to any of the headsets. What do you think, Tommy? <laughs> Would you agree to that? <laughs> um, well, I, I, I do think that um, streaming um, games could be really interesting, especially for like multiplayer games and, and okay. uh, I, I always, I, I think one of the, the big things with, with virtual reality is that it's so great to feel this sense of presence, right? So, so um, having kind of persistent worlds is, is a very interesting concept. And, and I definitely think that uh, it could be a really uh, exciting way forward to do it by, by cloud streaming. Right. However, I'm an engineer, so I, I, I know the problems of people to understand like the, the Wi-Fi situation in their home. Right, right now, we're seeing a lot of like average latency time of 100 milliseconds, so that's too much if you want right. to do. Right. Uh, that. So, so that last mile, as usual, with deliveries and everything, like you might have good internet to your house, but we see a lot of people struggling with understanding how, what is a good router, how close do I have to be, is walls in the way to, to create a really good experience. Right. Even, even, um, even our engineers who are very good at this, you just forget sometimes, like there's a microwave in the other room, like life gets in the way. <laughs> life, <laughs> life gets in the way, that's right. Yeah, but anyways, uh, I must say I was like, 
blown away how well that works right now. So this company, Plutosphere, they are not even, they are not public yet. Uh, they are giving out a few test accounts to some people. So yeah, I was shocked how well it works right now. And I was uh, wondering, Sebastian, yeah, actually, yeah. just very quickly, did you... Yeah. Did you measure any latency or anything like that? Did you use any kind of uh, performance testing um, overlay or? Actually, actually, yes. So, um, in when I applied for that Plutosphere account, actually, um, they gave me like uh, a link that I had to click, and that link with that link, it would ping all of the AWS servers, and they would show me like, okay, how how much how many how much milliseconds do I have from Dortmund from my home? to these AWS servers. And the, the one with the best ping was the one in Frankfurt, and it was um, it was 19 milliseconds. And then they said, okay, you can join our beta program. <laughs> and then they put my Plutosphere server on the AWS in Frankfurt, and um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's really, really amazing. It, it works so well. I'm I'm so shocked by this. Yeah, I'd, I would love absolutely love to try that because yeah. I mean that 19 milliseconds. Obviously, you've got extra latency yeah, with the encoding and Ex stuff like that. Exactly, but, exactly. But yeah, that's great. I mean, that's that, that sounds great. Anyway, either mm -hmm. way, that sounds great. So, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm fully on board for this kind of future. I would love it to get to this point, um, but I've I've not tried it, so I'm very jealous of you, Sebastian. Honestly, <laughs> oh, wow. I'm I'm really in a lucky position. It's it's fantastic, and I'm obviously going to make a video. About it and show you and probably measure more latency, but I couldn't tell the difference between streaming from my local server. That was unbelievable. But I wonder if they already have any information about the pricing. How are they going to no. charge? Is they, no they information. Didn't, so they far. didn't say anything yet, right? So they didn't yeah. say. But it cannot be so cheap. So I looked up actually the the, the prices of 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 that servers that you can um, rent from Amazon. And the one that they need to rent to make this happen is called a G4 server. It costs like 50, um, 50 US dollar cent per hour <laughs> just to rent that server. So yeah, yeah. So if you want to play, I don't know, 30 hours or you probably play two hours per day and then you have 60 hours per month, that would be like $30 a month and, and yeah it's it's tough to make this happen right now i believe but this is going the prices are going to go down so let's see let's see how they go to make it happen but that was yeah, like mind-blowing but it's still at the subscription service and even right now when we have these single apps that have subscription service they receive yeah. so much hate people hate the idea of pay for a game <laughs> and right. not actually have it and to, to need to continue doing that i don't know that might be one of the things that I don't know how they but but you it. do own your games on Steam, right? So I had to simply log into my Steam account on the Plutosphere server, and all my games were there. I could simply play mm. all my games. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have invited the Plutosphere CEO to this show, so hopefully we're going to see him and can ask him all the questions. Yeah, right. Other than that, I played Dimio <laughs> with you guys <laughs> yesterday, and we're going to talk about Yay. that about that later. That was amazing. But now, but now let's get to our current topics, the current topics of the last week. And there are some really interesting ones that we can get into. And um, yeah, first I would like to speak with you about another game, a game announcement. Let me share my screen. And that game announcement comes from the, the team behind Farpoint. 
Farpoint is one of my favorite games in VR, my favorite um, shooters in VR, or actually overall games in VR. It's so well done, and I love the aim controller. There is co-op sh um, shooting on PSVR. It's an amazing game, and uh, this, this studio is called Impulse Gear. Now they have announced a new game called Lars Nauts, and let me simply play the trailer here in the background. So... So we have an idea of uh, what we're talking about. And yeah, this is a six versus six player shooter. And it does remind us of the 2D counterparts like Overwatch, for example. And this is not going to come out on PSVR. This is going to happen on Quest and Rift and Steam VR in summer of this year. Looks really beautiful. So, I would like to ask um, Tommy, <laughs> are you into shooter games? Do you enjoy shoot shooting games in virtual reality? I'm, I'm big on shooters on, on PC. Ah, really? Um, okay. But, but not, uh, not on VR as much. Okay. I've, I've been... In the past, I was sensitive to motion sickness. Uh, <laughs> now I think yeah, I'm better because I've been so much in VR. But uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I still um, I'm old school there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you're making lots of VR games, but for playing VR shooters, you do prefer the 2D thing. Okay, sure. Why not? Okay, cool. So, um, how about um, you, Tatiana and Gary? Uh, what are your thoughts about this? And uh, have you played Farpoint, for example, Gary? Have you played Farpoint? Yeah, yeah, I've played I've played Farpoint. I didn't finish it actually, but I did ah. get a fair way through. I did I did spend quite a number of hours in there, to be honest. Um, I must be close to the end of that game, but uh, I've not got a PlayStation VR anymore, so I'm not going to finish <laughs> that anytime soon. But um, no, this this one looks so. I was a big fan of Farpoint. I did like that game. I thought they did a really great job with the you know the limited hardware that they were working with, and of course it was one of the first titles that used the aim controller as well, which mm. is a great peripheral for the PSVR. This one looks yeah. I mean, Overwatch is the obvious comparison, not just in sort of aesthetics how it looks, but also with the fact that they're trying to give each of these uh, characters some kind of personality, and each class has you know definitive roles and this kind of stuff which is exactly the same as overwatch and although this is not really my type of game either i will say that overwatch is one of the few types of that game that i did get into very briefly because uh they i don't know if it's free to play now but it wasn't free to play when it first came out but they did have free weekends and i jumped right. into a few of those free weekends and actually had a pretty good time far better time than i expected so maybe i'll give this one a try maybe i won't i don't know because you know i'm just i think part of it is i'm just not very good at these games and <laughs> it's, it's, here. It's, it's good <laughs> i really want to be good and i'm sure i'll have a much better time in them if i was good but um yeah it's like this population one i just uh, i and i don't want to I, I guess i'm too lazy to put in the time to really get good at them as well and mm. that's the other thing so it's all on me it's not on the game but it's, <laughs> it's just not my kind of thing really Got it, but, but I can yeah. I can totally uh, re I understand it as well. Like you have, if you really want to be good, you have to spend so much time. And there are people who just spend all the time in these mm. games, 
and then it's just like not fair <laughs> because you will be shot in yeah. the head in the first few seconds, right? So yeah. uh, that is something. So um, Tatiana, what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, I think it's my phobia in a way to be in a team game, to be in like a team shooter and be like the the worst player there. Like you suck, Tatiana. Why did we even invite you here? You know, like in those crazy nightmares, everyone's laughing at you. Anyway, so this is the thing about it. Um, I actually haven't tried the fair point, and in this game, oh, you have like to try I it. said, I'm fairly team new to team shooters, and that's like the thing. I don't want to frustrate my teammates. And at the same time, you know that the only way you can get better is by playing, by being really, you know, bad and improving over time. And I can completely relate to what Yeru just said. Like, I don't think, I don't think I have the time to do that. And yeah. I would like to enjoy the game. And that's one of the reasons why I really do relax playing single-player games because there's no pressure, there's no stress of, of you know, supporting everyone and not disappointing yeah. anyone so, but that being said the game looks really cute and it has its charm with the cartoonish graphics in a way but sort of like population one and overwatch also have the similar one and considering that it's going to run on quest 2 you need to have simpler graphics so that's something you can sacrifice so i believe that i would be willing to give it a try i always want to give things a try at least once to yeah, see sure. how it feels exactly yeah. so did, let, did yeah. anyone of you get a chance to try out uh, bloodstone uh, the, the the dueling game, shooting dueling game that uh, Resolution made. I'm so, so so sorry to say, but I didn't try it. <laughs> I, I didn't know it. I, it did the name did uh, come up quite a few yeah. times. I remember seeing it around, but I, I didn't get a chance to try it. No, no. Okay. Well, it's it's a it's a fun uh, fun different concept. Like you you a lot of the time is spent dodging bullets from your opponents. The, the bullets move slow, so okay. so oh, it's like looks a, nice. Half yeah. game, half workout. It's, a lot it's of, like uh, a super I... colorful and funky, super hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I'm dodging bullets there, but it looks. I'm just like, Google the screenshots real fast. Yeah. It looks. It looks good really actually. Right. Yeah. yeah. I would. I'm glad you told me about it. I would love to try it now. Right. It's um. It's also on Quest, right, Tommy? Or yeah. Yeah. On, and on um Steam VR as well, right? Or mm -hmm. yeah, right, right. Yeah. Cool. Yep, so I believe for all the, these people who have more time to really get into these kind of games, like six versus six person shooters, it's amazing. It must be really amazing to spend time and get better and better and to know everything about it. That must be good. Oh, yeah, we're all not students anymore <laughs> where we had the time to just deep dive into a game and just play it forever. Yeah, anyways. So, large notes coming out. In summer this year for Quest, for Rift, and also for SteamVR. All right. And now let's get to our next topic here. And let me just check this out. So the next topic is hardware. We're going to talk now a bit about the Yaw 2 motion simulator. And that's the Yaw 2, not the Yaw 1. And the Yaw 1, it was some kind of like, a, how would I call this? Like a saucer where you can sit inside and it would also <laughs> like like um, simulate motion. But this one now, the Yaw 2, it looks so, so much more professional. And the thing and is... comfortable. <laughs> it does. It does. Exactly. So actually, I tried the Yaw 1 at CES two years ago, and it was incredible, even though it just looked like a, like a saucer, right? But it was still fantastic. But this one now, 
The Yacht 2, it, oh, it looks desirable. Let's have a look here at the trailer together. For all the people who are just um, listening to this, somebody is playing um, a racing game and, uh, and also like a space um, shooter. And like, uh, yeah, it looks, it looks just astonishing. And it seems like you can feel, you can feel the street, right? Whenever when you when you drive over something, and it seems like to um, yeah to to get way more immersive when you play these games. So the great news is that your two has been very successful. They have already um, collected one million um, euros or dollars. Let me just check. One million euros on Kickstarter with 669 backers, and there's still 29 days to go. And if you want to get this incredible device, I believe it's incredible, I mean, just looking at it, I would love to try it myself. You can get it now, let me just check it. And you can pledge $1,090 to get the Yaw 2. There's the 2D, 2D version if you want, the one that can also spin. I believe then you have to pledge $1,470. That is the Yaw 2 plus the Yaw platform. Yeah, and I must say, honestly speaking, it does not seem to be so expensive, right? $1,500 for something that looks like this. Tommy, um, could that pique your interest? <laughs> um, privately, yes, I would love to have something like that. I can't because my stairs are very narrow, so I'm ah. very picky with <laughs> okay. it. I can only... The, the bottom floor is where I've stacked out all my large things. Um, but right now I'm, I'm on like two floors up. So can't okay. do that. And as a developer, uh, I mean, it, uh, a lot of times with uh, any peripheral like this, you have to kind of implement their API in order to right, have right. it supported. I don't know if these guys are doing something really smart with... Um, yeah, I'm not sure how you do that without an API. Uh, actually, um, uh, like I don't, I'm not exactly sure. But for some for some reason, in simulation games, in racers, it seems to be in it already. Like like um, like some 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 information about about like the movements. Uh, I'm also not deep into the topic, but it seems like there is already something that developers can get out of these kind of games. Mm. I could imagine that for for PC rather. Easily, yeah, for PC. But, yeah, for PC. Exactly. Yeah, right. There is like, it's such a big genre, so there is a lot of peripherals that, that people who are deeply into this want. You know. mm -hmm. uh, and and, and uh, that's where the key is. Another venue for this is of course like an, like an arcade place where you can go and right. and have something that is dedicated. Uh, I, I I used to love them. They're not very common in Sweden anymore. Uh, but but I, VR, I would love to see more of that. Like you could go to a place, have fun with your friends or family, and and there's a lot of like really futuristic machines that you go into, and it it does insane things. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm so so sad and sorry for all the people who started in arcade, a VR arcade, like one year ago or one and a half years ago, right? And then like boom, Corona came and uh, killed it all. So yeah, hopefully this is over soon. So um, Tatiana, what are your thoughts about the the your motion simulator? Is that something that could pique your interest? 
It could, but I also don't believe that I am the most regular consumer. After all, I would definitely like to have it to try these games that can, um, you know, I could benefit from this uh, accelerated movements that would absolutely help with my motion sickness in mm -hmm. games. And I think that's important because I like racers and I like the space shooters, but I, I don't think I can play them for longer than okay. 15 minutes. And okay. uh, I what I actually like about this, I'm not sure about your two, but from the trailer, I could see that you're, you're one. So I'm not sure about your one, but your two looks like can be used with flat screen as well. Yeah, you're right. So if you want, you can just play the uh, racer and the flat screen and it will still make this amazing movement. So I think that's really cool. And they, with the design, um, they did go with a more uh, traditional style. I feel like with the very first one, they tried to impress the <laughs> consumer. Look, we created this egg. That's so futuristic. <laughs> yeah, that cute egg, exactly. <laughs> they really, but it makes sense. They wanted to make something that would stand out and grab your attention before you even know what it does. So I guess now that they have succeeded, they decided to focus more on how it's going to work. So if they have... Uh, I read that it has you can integrate your own chair. Right. I'm not really sure how how you would do that. Like any chair or just the seating. I don't know. The chair. You, to... um, if you actually want the one with a chair, you have to also buy it as a as an add-on. The chair that you saw in the video. If you, the normal one, the cheapest one for thousand dollars, it's just a platform, and then you can put your own chair on it or whatever you want to. So it's 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 more versatile. Okay, I think. So... It, yeah, I think yeah. it's compatible with certain kinds of chairs, racing chairs and that kind of stuff. I think it has to be those kinds. Right. Yeah, but I wonder how compatible. Are they going to be compatible with the chairs that are already in in our houses? Or will we just need to buy another chair, chair on top of that? And that's already over $1,500, which, yeah, yeah it's, uh, you know, I don't know if there would be many consumers who would want to have it in their houses. It's not just... Uh, just uh, for the gaming experience, it's taking a lot of room. Like it's it's right. taking a lot of room. Like you want to play VR, you need to have all this space <laughs> six by feet already. Like throw away all your furniture and but but keep another room just for that chair. So you need to have two rooms now just to play VR. It's getting out of hand. Just, yeah, I think yeah, yeah right. you'll rent your new apartment <laughs> just to play VR. I think it's really for those VR enthusiasts, for those simmers. Like I was thinking, like, hey, Steve, yeah, our VR flight sim guy. If you're watching this, oh, he probably really wants this thing, right? All the, all the oh, yeah. flight simmers. I think that is just the perfect, the perfect uh, application, right? The perfect device to enjoy these games even more, right, Gary? Is it something that you could imagine for yourself? Um, I'd, I'd love to try it. For me, it's something like a, it, it'd be a, a try before you buy kind of thing. I, I, I wouldn't just uh, put out that amount of money just when I don't know how much I'd use it anyway. But for example, for me, I'd love to try this with Elite Dangerous. I mean, okay. Elite Dangerous yeah. is one of my favorite games ever. And I would love to try this for that. Um, it's, it's interesting, though, because the original one, I believe it was called the Your VR. Yep. And this one is called the Your 2. So, and as Tetiana mentioned, you can mount a, a screen in front of you and lock it, or I think there's two versions actually, or maybe not, or maybe there's, there's some additions to it where you can lock it 
without the 360 movement. So the, the, the monitor will stay in front of you and you'll still get forward and backward movement and a little bit of sideways movement, but it won't go around entirely 360. But you can, I think that might be an upgrade or something like that where you can use it then with, with VR platforms as well. Um, but it's interesting they've sort of pivoted in that direction, which makes sense for them because now they can market it, not just at the VR community, but at, at general simmers as well. Um, so I think that's great and that's going to bode really well for them. I've actually... I reached out to them when a while ago and I said, look, I'll, I'll cover postage. Just send me one for a week. I'll cover postage. I'll look after it. It will be fine. And they responded and they said they're still working through the Kickstarter and this kind of, they're, they're, they're not going to send me one. I know that, but I, I thought I'll, I'll reach out to them. So if they're watching this immersed robot, let me, yeah. let me try it. Yeah, yeah. Also, <laughs> also, Gary, you are here on the, on the next dimension podcast, right? So you should, you should totally get one. Absolutely. absolutely absolutely i don't know why they've not contacted me <laughs> yeah I, I also don't know what's going on there right so yeah dear your team yeah you see you have some takers here gary is there he would totally like love to try it out and uh, me of course as well i'm not so far from you i think uh, your your team is in hungary in hungary actually so that's not so far from germany right you can walk you can just drive over no problem at all. <laughs> so, yeah, so would love to check that out, of course. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, this is amazing. So I really, really want to try this out because I love the first version and this one looks even better. So for all of you out there who love, uh, who want to support companies and Kickstarter campaigns, you have another chance. Your two is there for still another 29 days. And now since we're here, I can also ask into the chat, who of you is at least interested <laughs> in the Your Two? I don't want to ask like who's going to buy it, but who's like excited about what you saw here? Please say yes. And if, you th if you're not into these kind of things and if you believe that's uh, over the top, then say no. But if you, if you are excited about the Yaw 2 and you would probably want to see it here on the channel, then say yes. And I will try really hard to, to, to review that device for you. So please do give me some idea about your thoughts on that, on that Yaw 2. All right, cool. So now we get to a huge topic. The last topic before we talk about Demio. And uh, uh, lots of people seems like the first to want the Yaw 2 or are interested in it. Hello, Dr. Dodi and hello, Blitzado. Yep. And um, now let's talk about ViveCon. Wow. ViveCon 2021 is going to happen um, on the 11th of May. So very, very soon, HTC is going to tell us all about their new headsets. And um, HTC has already been teasing them on their Twitter account. <laughs> they have shown us little bits and pieces of the device. Yeah, like a couple of months before they teased the tracker, we were all like a bit disappointed. And I was like super disappointed because I thought, okay, that is the standalone headset, like the big um, competition for the Quest 2, but I was wrong. But now, now it seems they there are headsets coming on ViveCon and we already had some leaks and let's have a look at the leaks and what they said. Let me just go to the article here to the Road to VR article again and let me let's have a look at that. So report HTC to announce Vive Focus 3 
and Vive Pro 2 next week. And um, the interesting thing is that not only those names have been leaked, but also some pricing information. And um, this uh, web magazine called The Protocol claims that they have already seen the devices on a, on a shop, on a web shop, shop, shop called Alza Shop. And the pricing was also shown on the listings with the Vive Focus 3, a standalone headset, because the Focus 1 and 2, they were standalone headsets, priced at 1,474 euros, which is $1,700, and the Vive Pro at $842, which is around $1,000. So from, from, from these names, the Vive Pro 2, you can imagine it is, yeah, the successor of the Vive Pro, which is kind of interesting because that means that Vive is kind of like doing away with the Cosmos series, which was honestly not so great <laughs> and most probably also not very successful, but now going back to the Vive Pro and offering some kind of successor to the Vive Pro that might probably be a competitor for the Valve Index. And for the Vive Focus 3, it seems to be a standalone headset. Vive Focus 1 and Vive Focus 2 were both um, yeah, um, standalone headsets and they were completely for um, enterprise customers. So, very interesting. And yeah, I would like to probably ask Gary, what are your thoughts, first of all, on, on, the, on those two headsets, Vive Pro 2 and Focus 3? What do you believe are we seeing here? Do you, do you think this could be actually true? Um, yeah, I think it makes sense. I've got, again, I've got no reason to, to doubt what's being reported here. And it makes sense in terms of pricing, I believe, as well, from what we've seen from HTC in the past. Um, that Looking at this, I mean, just first off, the Vive Focus 3, if it's at this cost and it's targeted to enterprise, at least it seems more clear cut. With HTC in the past, it's been a little bit uh, more of a, a merger between enterprise and consumer. They've targeted it enterprise, but then also had this consumer angle as well, which they don't seem to want to miss out on. With this price, if it's accurate, it's, it's $1,700. It's sort of clearly taking it in that enterprise direction, I would say, for, for a standalone headset. Clearly not competing with the Quest, which is what Alvin Graylin said as well. I expect it to have very high specs, and um, it will. It, it's not a competition for the, for the Quest. The more interesting thing for me is the uh, is the Vive Pro Two at this point. Now, one thing I will say is that I like. I've owned a lot of VR headsets, and I've sold a lot as well. Um, so I don't. I don't actually have too many at the moment. I've got a Valve Index, and I've got a Quest Two, and. I'm happy with that, actually. I, I'm not one of these people that wants to own every single headset. And I, I do like the fact that I've got a single dedicated PC VR headset at the moment in the Valve Index. But I'm willing to jump ship. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what the specs are with this Vive Pro 2 and see if this could, you know, uh, replace my Valve Index. Um, be, but we'll have to wait and see on the specs of that, of course. So, um We'll see. I'm excited. Whenever there's a headset that's coming out like this, I'm I'm excited to see what it is. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful with this one. Right, um, Tommy. I would like to ask you, what is your favorite headset right now? Probably the Quest because you're selling lots of games for it. <laughs> or what is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think the Quest Two has just really showed 
you know, good price point, good resolution, uh, light, lighter. It's it's the first real VR headset that's doing what it has to. The hardware is now at a point where like the the ball is in our court as software developers to make right. games that make you stick and want to come back. And it's an it's a, it's worth putting on something that's uncomfortable on your head. Um, nice. And I think we have that with Quest 2. So I look forward to like seeing others who really challenge that at, at like a like a low price point, but and uh, no cables. I think that's a right. very important thing. Right, right. So actually for you, these kind of announcements that are coming out of Vive, ViveCon are not so exciting, right? Because there's no low-cost um, solution that could anyhow uh, or in any way like compete with, with the Quest 2, right? Well, I always, I think it's, it's great for both consumers and for developers when there is like several different big companies kind of battling it out on the hardware side. But, uh, but at this, this is more like really high-end stuff. So, so for us, it, it basically just means more work <laughs> testing. We, we like to cover, you know, we, we want to make sure we're on, on the Vive handsets, which we, we need to order one, we need to do testing on it, make sure that works and doesn't produce any, any funny stuff. We're, we're trying to right. do cross-play between all our titles, like you can be on whatever headset you like, and you can still play with people who are on the quests. Yeah, that is a cool feature of Demio as well. We're going to get into that as well. Mm -hmm. Tatiana, what are your thoughts about these leaks? Do you um, do you think um, this makes sense? Uh, the, the Pro 2 and um, the Focus 3? What are your thoughts? Well, actually, what I was thinking is when I was reading the article, it says that Vive Focus is a standalone headset line. So... Well, the the cheap, the ones that's the slightly cheaper one, the Vive Pro 2 is not going to be the standalone, but Vive Focus 3 is going to be a standalone, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that makes me wonder, what is this headset going to offer for almost $1,800 that will be so game-changing that will completely destroy Oculus Quest? I need to know. I need <laughs> to know right now. <laughs> Tell me what it is. Yeah. Um, well, well, I don't. I, I don't think it's there... It's set out to defeat Oculus Quest. It's. I don't think it's competing at all. I, I believe that this is the headset that is perfect for um, enterprise customers, like companies who want their their employees, their coworkers, to use um, standalone VR, but who do not want them to um, to have that Quest 2, that that Oculus headset. And if you are if you are um, if you are um, a cons uh, an enterprise customer, then you also have to go for the enterprise quest. And that's going to set you back like $800. So it's not that $299 price anymore for enterprise customers, right? So you have to pay $800 to get a single quest. And then every year you have to pay like, I think $150 on top, mm -hmm. like maintenance fee. Recurring mm -hmm. every single year, you have to pay that. So then, overall, as a as an enterprise customer, you have to pay like a thousand, thousand two hundred dollars. So if this headset from 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 Vive does not have this yearly recurring cost, then I do believe that one thousand four hundred euro price point makes actual sense. And then, if the device, if it's standalone headset, probably 
has higher specs, can do more things, has a higher resolution, has other specs that are surprisingly better <laughs> than what than what the the quest has to offer. Yeah, then I believe it makes com then it makes complete completely sense, right? It does, but it, and also it doesn't really mention anything about the controllers, which also made me wonder: is hand tracking, complete hand tracking, possible, or is there going to be any controllers in this headset at all? I, I think yes. <laughs> yeah, <You> my thoughts. <laughs> I think it, it will have controllers. You the stand the standalone headset, right? You mean yes? Or, yeah. They could have oh. licensed um, the um, the Leap Motion stuff as well because right. there was another headset. Was it is it Xtal that licensed? They have the exactly, yeah. They have the yeah, Leap yeah, right. So they could do that if they wanted hand tracking. You know, it depends what they have envisioned for this product as well. Um, targeting it, at enterprise, what they see the use cases as being. I expect it will it will come with controllers too. Mm -hmm. um, just guessing on the specs. Really, this is ridiculous because why Why would I even do this when in, in just a couple of days, really, it's going to be announced <laughs> anyway and I'm going to look stupid. But um, <laughs> I, I would say that, you know, I, I believe that this will be XR2 as well, like the Quest. I think it, the Quest 2, I believe it will be that that uh, system on chip. And, yeah, I think wider, perhaps wider field of view, but higher resolution, eye tracking built in, maybe that 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 facial thing, that uh, mouth tracking mm. uh, technology perhaps as well. We, we know all of these things that they've got working mm. in the background, but there's there's plenty of other things. It's speculation. I know I'm, I'm mm -hmm. going to look ridiculous in a, in a few days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but... just in the next MRTV podcast, we'll already be <laughs> yeah <laughs> discussing all of that and forget everything we said today. <laughs> right, right. No, yeah, who, who knows? Who knows? But anyways, do you believe that this um, wireless 1400 dollar headset that it could also like uh, stream steam vr content uh, using something like airlink or or a link cable what do you think yeah uh, well i think is that not possible on the previous one of the previous five focuses i believe I think yes yes yeah th right, th right. there's a way to do that anyway so i would right. think yeah i mean and, and that would be a great thing to do but again it's probably not a priority for them if they're not targeting that angle <laughs> I, I think they even hdc know that certain number of consumers are going to want this and try this for that that thing anyway yeah yeah i, I somehow have the feeling that it that some um enthusiasts might want to pick this up if this is able to to stream steam vr content and if this is like a very beautiful um, headset. So I believe there are going to be enthusiasts who are going to pay, if it's going to be, I don't know, 1,400 euro or whatever the league was. I believe there are some. But honestly, I was thinking probably the other headset, the Pro 2, it might even be more interesting for lots of people because there are lots of VR enthusiasts out there who enjoy, who love the um, Reverb G2 and who love the Valve Index, right? But if this is now something that could be higher in spec as compared to the to the um, index, which is right now the highest spec PC VR headset, right? Then this might actually be pretty interesting. Probably it is a headset that also has Steam VR tracking. Probably it has a higher resolution than the G2 and then the index, right? And then also the Pro, the Vive Pro, it is comp com compatible <laughs> with a wireless adapter. And with a face tracker. So we could be looking at a device 
that is better than the Index, but is wireless with the wireless um, adapter and has the face tracker for $900. This might be an option for enthusiasts, right? What do you think? Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, as I was saying, you know, this could be a replacement for my index. That's what I'm looking for, for from this. I'm looking for a replacement for my index, this Vibe Pro Two. Um, but it's got to have the right specs, and I've got to see the, the right things from it. HTC have been steadily moving to inside-out tracking. It's not always been successful for them, but that's the way they seem to have been moving in general. However, the fact they're calling this the Vive Pro 2 rather than a completely different name would perhaps imply in some ways that it's still using Steam VR tracking. Um, and, yeah. and I hope it is, or their own, well, yeah, I hope it's using, you know, Steam VR tracking, if I'm being honest. Um, but, but yeah, uh, it's interesting and certainly looks at this point to be a viable alternative or a potential viable alternative to the index. Right. I will right. try to look into these specs as well, and I'm I'm actually looking for expanding my uh, very small collection of two one headset. <laughs> well, the second headset is PSVR. So, um, well, I don't I'm not think I don't think I will make a very hasteful decision whether I will get it or not because I do want to to hear what the Oculus Quest Pro will bring us or three or Pro, whichever that will be. Yeah, but this, that's not going to happen this year. Right, this is going to happen in 2022. Okay, but that's uh, like six months of wait. Right. I don't know. All right, well, we will see. I'll tell you next week. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. Yeah, um, Tommy, are you going to pick up all these new headsets that are going to be that are going to come on the market just for um, research reasons to play your games on it? Yeah, we. I, I don't know if it's it's a pure enterprise uh, angle to them, then then maybe not. But if it if it supports like Steam VR, then probably there will be one in the office that we'll we'll test on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's a great job that we're having. Like always, the latest headsets. Ah, it's great. <laughs> I enjoy it. Yeah. Just a quick one for yeah. you then, Sebastian. Yeah. It's a silly one because I know what's going to happen. You're going to be getting both of these headsets, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I have them here already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. But um, yes, I will have them here in the. I will have them in the office uh, very soon. And of course, oh. I'm going to. I'm going to. Um, yeah, show them. I'm going to review them, of course. So, yeah, looking forward. Really, I'm really, really looking forward to that. I must tell you, it's good. It's going to be good. That, that far I can say already. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, great, great, perfect. So that is, yeah, that was the, that was the topic about um, the, um, the ViveCon. I'm really looking forward to that here on the channel. And as soon as the embargo is lifted, that is on 11th of May at uh, 6 p.m. Berlin time, watch MRTV. It's all going to be here. Yeah, mm. right. Okay, so now... Now, Tommy, it's time to talk about, wow, Demio, really. Like, like the three of us, Gary, Tatiana, and me, we are really blown away. We loved it. We absolutely loved it. As soon as we, we got it, uh, the game, we wanted to play this together, not, not because we are like particularly into, uh, into social games or so, but it, it looked so great, right? It looked so great, and we simply wanted to test it out, and... I think our first reaction, you can watch it on Tatiana's channel, 
but it was just like joy. <laughs> right, Gary and Tatiana? <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. That was the first thing I said. I said I was not, I'm not used to social games that much, but this is just so enjoyable. And it's so like polished and sleek and fun. We just, we had so much, like we laughed a lot. <laughs> we were doing all these stupid things that trying to figure out how to do it smart. So we had to do it stupid first <laughs> before we could do it. It was it's, great. It was so amazing. Tommy, tell us a bit more. What gave you the idea for Demio and probably for all the people who have not yet an idea, what is Demio? Probably you could first um, give us uh, like your elevator pitch. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> all right. Well, it's... Um... Like personally for me, and I think it, it's going to be the elevator pitch as well. Like I, I played a lot of role-playing games with uh, my friends back in uh, back in the 80s. And this is the reason why I got into programming in the first place. I felt like they were so incredibly fun from the social dynamics, but they were very complex. A lot of rules and somebody had to prepare. I was often the DM. <laughs> and I like being the, the dungeon master and explain all this, but but uh, uh, I thought, you know, it would be super great if I had like a proper tool so I could do a lot of this with my computer. So I started programming. Anyway, <laughs> long story, 30 years, 35 years later, whatever it is, uh, here we are. Um, and it's a game where you're a bunch of friends. Uh, you are actually in a, like a basement, right? Mm -hmm. a, yeah. It's oh, kind yeah, of yeah. 80s basement. <laughs> Stranger uh, Things basement. An, like in Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly yeah. that. Movie, <laughs> exactly, exactly that. And uh, you have a magic tabletop role-playing game in front of you. And, mm -hmm. and uh, it's very easy to understand what to do. Like, you just move miniatures, you throw dice, and you have cards. Uh, and, the tutorial but, is very clear. Tutorial was so well done. Like, we could jump right in the game after it. Well done. Yeah, thank you very much. And it's even if no, if you have a new person who hasn't gone into the tutorial, it's really, really quick for them to pick up what to do, which is great, I think. And and uh, a lot of focus has been on like the the social interactions between people. So it's okay. you know it's it's a slow paced game where time time flies because you're 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 having fun, you're talking, and and when we play it internal, we do a lot of like role-playing and you know somebody's dickered cane and they're like hey stay a while and listen <laughs> <laughs> you just nerd around which is haven't done that yet that's the next step <laughs> yeah well, wow. i have a yep i ahead. have a question so you mentioned that uh back when you were you know younger you were playing with your family was it the D D that you were playing that expiration uh, I'm I'm in Sweden, right? So we we tried Dungeons and Dragons as well, but it didn't really stick. It was so much rule books in English, and we were quite young at this point. We were like, yeah, I think we started around eleven. We mm -hmm. were okay. decent in English, but not like pages and pages of, of. So we were playing like Swedish versions of. Okay, so would you say that was the main inspiration for this game, or do you think there were other maybe video games, maybe movies that you draw some ideas for design or for gameplay? Anything that would help you, you know, draw draw from to make this yeah, game? absolutely. There's been a ton. I mean, uh, um, one of the key people behind this is, has been Mike Booth, who is a famous American video game designer. He he worked on. Uh, 
um, really cool titles, everything ranging from Left for Dead, which was really his game, and then he, he programmed the bot for Counter Strike and for Team Fortress and a lot of like classic PC games. Uh, mm-hmm. So so he brought with him a lot of uh, um, great references that we have kind of talked about and integrated. And then we like one game that we all love is Slade Aspire, uh, which is a is a PC game. Uh, which is great, an indie game that uh, I can really recommend. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you look at a lot of different, and, and you mentioned Stranger Things too, which I think is, a, <laughs> you know, I love the first uh, season of that and uh, yeah. really captured a lot of uh, these young mm-hmm. kids playing it. And really Nerdiness, like, yeah. That, yeah, that exactly. is the basement. I believe that is the basement from Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> when I yeah, saw it, I got so reminded about that. Those kids going down, playing that, and yeah, it just feels like this. I think it's so yeah. well done. And I actually never played a board game in a basement in this traditional setting, yeah, so it was really cool to finally finally do it. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, yeah. Exactly. Um, so, uh, Tommy, I want to ask you, did you directly know this can work super well in VR or were you not sure about it? Did you first have to try it out? And um, uh, when did you make the decision like, yes, this works? Did you have a prototype first and then you found like, wow, this works so well? Or tell us a bit more about the actual um, process of knowing, yes, this works and we are going to put like the resources in it, right? Because you said like you've been working on it for three years with 20 people mm. in Sweden, mm. which is yeah. Uh, expensive. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Mike Booth had already experimented a lot with these type of things. I worked uh, with social VR at Facebook. So he, he brought a lot of uh, ideas and knowledge on that end. And then we, we made a quick, rather quick prototype, I think like in two two or three weeks we had something that we could almost play like it had the graphics and the miniatures and we felt pretty secure that that this would would work well, but one of the problems three years ago like the concurrency of players just weren't there right mm-hmm. you wouldn't have <laughs> four players <laughs> who mm-hmm. knew each other at the same time in vr so time kind of caught up on us <laughs> there nice. which we're very happy about that's nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, but for the past two and a half years, I would say we had a lot of fun playing it internally. <laughs> uh, it has to be pretty difficult in order to be fun uh, because you want these situations where you're like, oh no, we're going to get wiped out. And sometimes we had quite a few of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Wow, suddenly so many of the opponents are in the second level. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that. Feeling when you open a room and you're like, oh no! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one one of the things I was going to ask as well because um, I know I mentioned this to to uh, both Tatiana and, and Sebastian yesterday, but one of the one of my favourite games uh, on the Oculus. Uh, it's an older game now. It's Brass Tactics. It, it's real time strategy game, um, but it's got some of the same flavours of, of this in terms of you you're playing on a table with these miniatures. It's very much like a, a board game, but set in, in the like a real time strategy uh, environment really and i absolutely love that the only thing i didn't like about it is the fact that it didn't have too much depth beneath the surface fortunately demio has uh 
you know, it, it goes much deeper than that game. And that's something that I love because there's certain strategies, which we discovered quite quickly in the second level that didn't work. <laughs> and But we can refine our play style and also the having the cards and all the different mechanics that you have going on around the card is, is fantastic and gives it further depth. One of the things I, I was going to ask you is, at what point do you draw a line with that stuff as a developer? Because I can imagine you developing this title, thinking we've got all these mechanics, but we could add this in, we could add this in and make it more and more complex, more and more deep, of course. At what point do you draw the line with that? Is it simply playtesting or? Yeah, a lot of it is playtesting and, and, and intuition. When you have a lot of senior game developers or game designers, that helps a lot because you know we've done a lot of mistakes. This feature creeping yeah. is very common, right? And and with Demio, I think you so you see this already, right? There's so many things you could expand, you could have in there. Mm -hmm. Like it's so yeah. easy to imagine this would work perfectly for a sci-fi adventure as well, or this would work perfect to have a dungeon master and and all these things that you can imagine, and, and we can imagine too. And some of them we tried. And some of them we have like embryos of, and we know we're going to put in there. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, it's super fun for us to see that it actually worked and people are loving it. And we have like a, a 90 Metacritic score, which is unheard of. It's my first time <laughs> in my career. That's been quite long. Congrats um, to I'm, that. I'm yeah. super yeah. excited about that. Because it means that we can continue working on it and add a lot of those things that we want in there. I think one of the kind of obvious things that a lot of people are asking about is is to be able to to mod this and add content to it because they're mm -hmm. thinking about stuff they want in there. And I think it would be great to have kind of user-generated stuff in the game eventually. Yeah, like um, the members of the Next Dimension podcast as little figures. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Dead. Not dead. Now we're talking here. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I mean, uh, and, and the modding community has been fantastic on PC and, and the, like something like that. Somebody is really talented at doing 3D and, and they have a fixed idea and they do something fun and they could either play it like just with their friends or they think it's something that could set the whole community, right? Mm. It's, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be so many players who would die to get more content, more exactly. monsters and, and um, characters. I, I think maybe jumping off of uh, Gary's question. Um, so there are four main sort of classes or characters you can choose from, like a warrior, a wizard, an assassin and a hunter. And by playing a lot of RPGs, I know that there could be so many more. <laughs> so I can imagine it was a, 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 such a probably headache to to find these four, to just limit to four classes, four characters of all the possible ones. And I would, I'm just curious, how, you know, how did you make the decision? How difficult was it? And, you know, maybe, maybe why those four? And will there be other ones added in the future? Yeah, uh, it is very likely to imagine that uh, there will be, right? Uh, I won't spoil yeah. anything here, but uh, <laughs> we wanted to make sure that there was uh, a couple of ones that you, that really complemented each other well, right? The, the hunter is, is a good ranged attack, and, and the tank is good at like blocking off an area and really getting the monsters to to stay at a certain place <laughs> and uh, we still allow you can be you can play it like four tanks 
and it plays yeah. very different. Um, so so uh, I mean, it, these are things that are just super fun to to go into the, the details as a de designer and, and work with. But a massive amount of testing is, is needed. Um, one of my favorite old-time classic is, is a game called NetHack, which is a, like one of the original um, rogue-like games where there's where like massive amount of monsters and they have different spells and they can throw the spells on each other and you get a lot of uh, merging effects out of that. And then the, you know, that takes a really long time. NetHack, they've been working on that for over 20 years now, but uh, you have to kind of make a structure that, that fits that um, style. One of my favorite things from that was the polymorph spell. So like you could either get it on yourself and you turned it into a random monster and then you get that random monster's ability. So all oh. of a sudden, oh, if you're okay. like a rat, you can spawn rat nests and they all join you. In oh, yeah, that's really fun. So, okay. many, so many possibilities. Wow. Now, um, what I think is beautiful about the game, it's very easy to pick up, right? Like the tutorial, is, it, it just takes a few minutes. So you learn mm -hmm. what you have to do. Like it's easy to, to attack the others and it's easy to heal your friends and to use the cards. So the basic principle of the game are super simple to learn. You will, you will definitely understand it. And I think that is like a, a big reason next to all the polish and everything for its success that people can pick it up so easily, but... Then there is this death to it because we found out yesterday, okay, there's so many cards and we have to learn all these cards. It will take quite a while. And then there's, because there's a different cards, you have this kind of strategic aspect to the game, which makes it more deep. And so not so simple. So I want to ask you, Tommy, how long does it take until you become like a really good player? Like, you know, okay, um, you know all the tricks and uh, probably because of your experience, you are a good player. How long will that take? Well, I think it varies a lot on how much similar type of games you've played. Like if you played uh, I don't know, Hearthstone or... or uh, Zero. I have no of, idea about these uh, games. This is the really first it's time. It's very much fun. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. I mean, if, if you're familiar with them, it will go faster. If you're not, then it's better because then you have more fun kind of discovering all these things. And it's like a, a universe in itself that can kind of be opened up once it's more accessible. Once, you know, the, the rules are not so complex and it doesn't take so much to, to get into it. And personally, I think, you know, I think both games and virtual reality is going to be relevant for everyone. So I, I, I hate when people try something and they they don't understand the, the basic mechanics the, the controls and they they think oh this is not for me you know mm. but if they just understood that simple interaction then they would have loved it it would open up a world for them and they would be blown away because they had never done anything similar they thought that the best thing to do in the evening was just to watch t a lame show on tv that they've seen hundreds of times but now all of a sudden they are like wow you know the the interaction and the the camaraderie and something like this is, is really incredible this is yeah this is something that's key as well because 
it sounds like Sebastian and I, we haven't really played anything, any games like this before. Um, but Tetiana, I think you have, haven't you? You've, you've, you've played similar kinds of board games in terms of like re real life board games and that kind of stuff. Well, it's the board games and it's also turn-based RPGs on the flat screen. Like even like, um, uh, what is it called? Heroes of Might and Magic. Yep. And Warcraft, yeah. uh, not World of Warcraft, just Warcraft. Yeah. So all the turn-based strategy kind of games and board games as well, they are kind of, I don't know, I don't think I was good at this game by any means. I just, I... Well, uh, <laughs> you, you carried <laughs> us through. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's the main point. We were happy that you were there yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Watch her video, people. You will enjoy it. Yeah. It was, it's so much fun. We laughed so We're much. It's fun. such a disaster. <laughs> One of the things I was, I was going to say as well is because sometimes if you come in, into these things from the outside, it can be a little bit daunting. You don't know what to expect. As you were alluding to there, Tommy, like if people that haven't played these types of games before and you think uh, they're, they're closed off, I'm not going to touch them because I don't think I'm, I'm going to like them. The, the, what I like about this is the accessibility is what Sebastian was saying. When you first go into this game, you play through a very short tutorial and you're in, you know what you're doing off the base. And what I was saying earlier, from that base, then you've got this extra depth that you can then get into if you want to, you know, and I think if you want to succeed, it just sort of pushes you in that direction to learn all these individual mechanics as well. So, yeah, from my point of view, coming in from the outside, you did a great job with that tutorial and getting mm. us into the, exactly. into the game. It's yeah. always good when, when, because <laughs> I've been on other podcasts as well, it's always good when you've got a developer from a game that you absolutely really do enjoy. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I found it so, so amazing that it's not just the multiplayer, but it has this one player um, yeah. campaign, like single player campaign that I, that was what I played right before we recorded that video with the three of us. I played it and I failed very quickly and I just quit and started again and I learned from everything, all the mistakes that I've done. So I completed that again. So every time you play, you learn something new and you, you proceed like deeper into the dungeon. It's, it makes you feel good about yourself that you're getting better. <laughs> you know, you can see that you're learning. You're, you're not making the same mistakes. So it's, it's great. It's such well, such, so well done. Yeah, like like the lamp, right? I, I totally attacked it because I thought like this is this is like an enemy, this is evil, right? But then it turned out okay, there was a mistake. Yeah, I'm, I'm now poisoned for the, for the next three moves or what? It's so it's really oh my goodness! I can't wait to go back in, into this game. Really cool, um, Tommy. What do you what do you think? Um, how important is it for the success of this game? that you can enjoy it together with three friends, this kind of like togetherness. Like um, I found like for me personally, I, w I, I do also do enjoy sometimes like to play Population One, but as we said before, okay, I get shot in the head very easily. <laughs> And then it's probably not so much fun anymore. Mm -hmm. But here, it's like, I, I don't feel like um, this kind of pressure. It's like I can sit on that table with friends, like with Tatiana and Gary, even though I'm not a, a professional in playing these games, but still I can enjoy it. Even Tatiana is amazing and I, I'm not so good, but it's like this togetherness. Is it one of the important parts of this game that makes it so interesting? Yeah, I definitely think that uh, it helps super much that you're collaborating and that the game is a little bit slow paced, so you're not really ruining 
the other people's experience if you're not as good as somebody or, or knows all the rules, right? Um, so I think uh, that's one really key to, to, you know, maybe convincing your partner to try something out is that it's not so like, you're not facing them head on the first thing you do and you're like, ha, 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 I won, you know. Yeah. You're, you're working on something together, which is really um, mm. fun. Yeah, it's, I like that. It's not the kind of game that you're like, uh, at first maybe we thought that we would be fighting against each other, but no, you're actually like building, you know, working through it together. And I'm actually thinking, so we had a lot of fun because the three of us, we knew each other. We were friendly. We were having fun. But there's also the randomized game where you can pay, get paired up with other players that you don't know. And in this case, I haven't tried it yet, but I wonder, um, would it be a similar kind of experience in a way? Like if you don't know these people, do you, how would it affect, um, you know, this collaboration? It's kind of like a test. Can you work with people you don't know? <laughs> it's a social experiment. <laughs> yeah. No, I, um I think so far it's it's been very overwhelmingly positive comments about that. I think the VR community is very like tight, tightly knit, and, and right. a lot of people who really want VR to succeed and thinks it's really fun. So they they kind of they try to make the best. Uh, mm -hmm. There is often, you know, as we know, play multiplayer games. There's often griefers who just plays to ruin other people's experience. Uh, but the host in this case, the person who started the game, can can kick other people, okay. and then you can mute somebody if they're rude. So we mm -hmm. hope to have decent tools for that. You can also report people, but but right. it is harder, of course, to to play with randoms. But it's also a bit satisfying when you meet a good group mm -hmm. and you like get new friends. And I, I was mm -hmm. really amazed by this podcast here. We were from three different uh, countries, right? right? And, and right. It's uh, Or four different countries, yeah. <laughs> um, which is uh, really cool. And then we, we speak in real time. We couldn't do this uh, like 10 years ago. You're right. And actually, I also felt like this way yesterday, right? So mm -hmm. like um, Gary being in the UK, Tatiana being in the US, uh, me being in Germany. But we were sitting around that <laughs> table as if we yeah. were there. We were yeah. together in that basement. We could high-five each yeah, other. Yeah, we could high-five each other. And we could yeah. see each other's hands moving around and like doing the rolling thing. It's magic. It, this is really, for me, one of the magic things about virtual reality that still, even though I'm in that business now for years now, it still gets me. This kind of mm. togetherness. And then if you're together I, with friends uh, playing this game, oh, magic. Uh, I absolutely agree. And I feel like with Mike Booth, I only met him a handful of times in person. But uh -huh. we, we meet every week and, and okay. uh, in, in virtual reality. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm very, very close to him. Uh, yeah. And we don't know where this pandemic is going and don't want to get it, make it dark. But it's so <laughs> important. Like these kind of experiences, yeah. they are so important. And I wish, I wish everyone had a VR so that I can connect with all my friends and all my family members. Exactly. Because, because I, can't, I can't do it right now. And it, this really makes me very optimistic. And at the same time, like really wanting to accelerate it. Come on, man, like develop yeah. the thing. <laughs> we all need to have it like the cell phone. <laughs> we need to be connect we need to be able to connect in VR. 
um, I, I'm looking forward to the moment when it becomes even more mainstream than it is now. Yeah, it will yeah. be. And not, one, thing not so have, yeah, sorry. one thing we have done here is that we are releasing a, a flat screen version of the game okay. mm -hmm. in order to get your friends to play it with you. So eventually they'll say like, oh, maybe I'm going <laughs> to buy another. I'm going to buy a headset, yeah. you know, so oh. you can check it out in VR. Like, can I play in VR while my flat friend is on flat screen or you have to be on the same? Um... No, so it will be cross-play oh. between the, the two. Oh, that's great. so amazing. Brilliant. Will they be able yeah. to see me floating around? Oh, that's so cool. That's great yeah. news. Yeah. That is brilliant. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I was just wondering if I could ask a couple of questions from chat as well. We've got a couple of good questions. Um, first one, Chris Richardson, he just said, and this is an interesting one for me as well, because I played the single-player skirmish. Um, he was just asking uh, why was there obviously some kind of design decision that went into this, but why there's only three characters in the single-player skirmish who only play control three characters rather than the usual four? Is there any reason for that or...? Yeah, there was a lot. We tried a lot of different things. Uh, I mean, we mainly designed the game to be a multiplayer game. Mm -hmm. But we also know that it's not always you have friends who can play and, and, uh, and, and some people just prefer single player <laughs> straight. And, and we, we knew it's going to be a, a, a fun single player game as well. Um, but it's very different, like, the first thing which my uh, go-to place was like one character. You control one character, yeah, because that's what you do in the in the multiplayer game as well. Um, but that becomes a very different game mm -hmm. because then you don't have the combinatoric effects of like the tank and the the ranged. Mm -hmm. So we tried four but becomes a little bit slow because you need to move all of them. And we tried mm -hmm. to, and then we, we kind of settled with, with three and said, this is a, this is a good in between. That's a great question. I didn't know that. Well, right, yeah. Right. Yeah, the, the, the other one I was going to ask as well, and Carlos has just re-asked it as well in chat, um, just about, I don't know if this information is already out there or if you've mentioned anything about this, but he's asking about PSVR port plans, if you've got any, any plans for PSVR on this game. Um, we haven't announced anything there yet. Um, and to be honest, I think it's unlikely we would go for the old, the P PS4, PlayStation 4, because the, the performance was difficult to work mm -hmm. with there from, from our previous experience. Um, um, and, you know, it, you have this puzzle of different devices. You want the Quest 2 to work with the Valve Index and, mm -hmm. and PlayStation 4 there to the mix, I, I think, would be tricky. But PlayStation mm -hmm. 5 and, and the, the next VR headset, something that I'm personally very excited about. So I will mm -hmm. hope okay. for that. Do you already have the PSVR 2 at home, Tommy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a PlayStation 5. Uh, <laughs> okay, but, okay, uh, okay. I know that you cannot really answer, but I, I think <laughs> I think this is um, something that we can look forward to, the PSVR 2, and I'm also looking forward to that. Uh -huh. But, you know, actually, also, uh, one of my um, friends here in Germany, he also wants me to ask you this question. 
Why did you go away from the PSVR platform, also with your um, games before? Like, I believe, like, Blaston, it was also not on PSVR, but your first games were. So why did you make the decision to leave the PSVR platform? For what reasons? Because there's still a, a good install base, right? Yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, uh, but uh, one, one of them is the performance that was tricky. Um, and uh, another reason is we, we just never managed as a company to get a good connection with, with PlayStation for some reason. Oh, really? Like, wow. Uh, yeah, we've mm. tried a lot of times. So it's like, oh. <laughs> They're lost. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so so it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a bit of a struggle. Um, we, we had a successful run with uh, Angry Birds for, for PlayStation uh, VR. Um, and we, we love that they're doing this and that they're pushing it. So, so I hope to, to be better prepared as a company for the next, uh, next mm -hmm. generation. All right. Here's the thing about the game. Maybe I missed it. Maybe it's very obvious. But what does Demio stand for? What, is the, what does it mean? It's it's really it's really just a name, uh, but it it is also Latin and it means I descend. But that's uh, that's not uh, really <laughs> okay. the point here. It's it's uh, you know it's just a short name uh, that's semi easy to remember, and mm -hmm. it works in in several different languages. So I was just cool. very curious. That's a that's a very cool name. I remembered it like, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. You know, one of the things that we had like a fight about when we just started playing is uh, we started the game and Sebastian was already in the game and he picked a character who is the warrior. I don't remember the name. What's that? Sigrun. Sigrun. Yeah. And I actually read the bio and I knew that Sigrun is a woman. Yeah. Because she's referred to as a she, and I said, Sebastian, I oh my God, to yeah. be her, she's the only woman. And so we had to start again because I insisted that I play with her. And I thought that was so, so unique that such a, you know, um, strong tank character was given a, a female role in the game. And I just wanted to comment on that and say that I appreciated that. And uh, yeah, what was that decision? Did you know immediately that you wanted to assign it as a, as a female? or was it some something that you decided uh, later on well I think we're we're all very like uh, we think it's important there's actually two men and two women two two male and two female characters I think that's it. so mm -hmm. so the huntress is also a female character okay. um, and um, yeah I mean in this case I think it was the the it's typically the illustrators who who uh, do the first passes on, on on the characters, and then the the game writer is also involved in kind of coming up with a good backstory and stuff, and and I get involved to make sure that um, that people don't forget that there is more genders than just one, and, and things like this. <laughs> so it's it's often a, a team effort to make. Uh, to make these things, uh, even though uh, uh, the game writer is, is obviously very important in, in making it to a good and believable character. I don't know how long you've seen, but but there's also amazing skins that you unlock if you play after a while. And, so I and, checked uh, this. Yeah. Yeah. They, they um, 
they make you know they make the characters look completely different. I was looking forward to them, but when we started the game, it was all just the same skins, right? So you unlock them as you play. So that's another reason <laughs> for me to keep playing. I really like because uh, we all look the same when we were playing too, right? We were all wearing the same glasses and gloves. Oh, uh, this is going to change later would... as well, or we will have more skins, I believe. Uh, for the players, like the glasses, or uh, or, uh, or what is going to yeah, change? So... Those those things can be customized as you can unlock them. Cool! <laughs> wow, that is really cool. We were we were already making plans to buy the same glasses and just join the MRTV podcast one day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They would be perfect merchandise. These glasses, you know, just send them out. I mean, you have amazing uh, merchandise whenever you start a new game. Like I can remember the cooking thing that you sent over. Amazing. Yeah. So. Make the glasses happen, and we're going to wear them <laughs> in, in the podcast. Really cool. Um, you know what, um, Tommy? I was really surprised by how the game even captured me when I played it single player. So we first played together, together like the three of us, and then later when I was at home, I thought, you know what, let me play more alone to get deeper into the game. And I, first of all, I didn't think that I would have as much fun as I had with the other two, but it turned out I also had lots of fun playing this alone. And as I said on Twitter, I played until 3, 3 um, a.m. and 43 minutes, until 4 a.m. in the morning. And the reason I stopped was because my Quest 2 battery died, the one with the battery extension. So I played like for hours and hours, and I totally forgot the time. <laughs> it's really incredible. That really seldom happens to me. And uh, by the way, this podcast is not sponsored by Resolution Games. <laughs> this, is, this is really... Uh, we are really excited about this game. So, Tommy, did you... Imagine that people will also have fun playing this alone. Do you do you are you are you aware of this or uh, what are your thoughts um, playing it alone versus playing it multiplayer? Yeah, no, I I, I definitely think that it, it works quite well, but it becomes a very different game, right? Because you don't have this this conversation and this right. uh, yeah um, talking to to other other people and strategizing with them. It's more <laughs> true, true. For like myself, just, in my head, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's still uh, super fun, especially if you haven't played a lot of these um, other games, because then a lot of it is is very new. Like Heroes of Might and Magic is is a, one of my favorite mm. games, and and uh, especially three and four. Oh yeah, the third uh, one forever. Mm -hmm. I still play it sometimes. Me too. With, I played with my wife uh, on the iPad. We take turns. Uh -huh. okay. Oh, yeah, it's so cool. It used to be this this amazing game just on the tabletop computer. And obviously now they port everything on smaller technologies. Now you can play it anywhere. It's Yeah, it's great. I love technology. <laughs> I think we have more questions in the chat. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Um, any plan to make a toolkit so people can make their own adventures? Uh, Chris Richardson asks. Wow, good question. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's definitely one of the the, the expansion uh, directions that we and, and a lot of players get very excited about. Um, so so uh, we we don't know. Yet, but but uh, mm -hmm. we're gonna look at it. The the what we have promised so far is that there is uh, more content coming, 
like we have on Twitter uh, showed what the next the book two is going to look like and what the the, mm. the realm of the Rat King. But how how does it work? I mean, how does new content work? Is it like new levels? Well, I, I don't understand these kind of games so well, right? So I'm the, the mm. newcomer to that whole D&D sure. &D stuff, and I'm fascinated right now. But, but how, yeah. does it, how does it work with new content? Because I, for me, um, I, in my imagination, was like actually that uh, there is like one game master, and he tells a story, and people have to imagine it. Okay, now there's a big dragon coming. and uh, Is it like this? Uh, or how does it work with the uh, new content for the game? For for the game, we will release uh, like new new levels, new enemies, new okay. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes spells sense. and characters and this mm -hmm. type of thing. New cards and stuff, right? Mm hmm. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, mm -hmm. um, one one of my uh, German colleagues he wants me to ask: Is <laughs> there a way to to tilt the board so that you don't always have to look down? Mm. <laughs> Because then actually, um, yeah, also it came to my attention after I played for hours and oh yeah, right. I was looking down the whole time. Yeah. Like, Ooh. I did actually. Well, I, I, I thought I said, I thought I mentioned you... that yesterday when we were playing. Oh, really? You, you said. Ah, oh, because I, I also found it and you can tilt it 90 degrees, oh, I believe, so that you just look straight. How do you, <laughs> you do that? You did mention that. Yeah, you did mention With, that. I, and I was trying to work out how to do it and I couldn't, I couldn't work it out. So what, really? what, how do you do it? Yeah, yeah how do you do yeah, it? Tell me. With a little, what is it called? Uh, yeah. The yeah, you just push oh, okay, it push cool. forward or backward. That's very easy. It's actually. pretty straightforward. You see what we're up against here. This is the kind of yeah. this is my mindset. This is why we didn't do very well in the yeah, second level. Exactly. <laughs> Gary. <laughs> yeah. That's why Tatiana was ruling us. I mean, but yeah. we are we're in the same team, so that's okay. So we learned from her. <laughs> She knew well, everything. My, my favorite position is actually have a, a large bean bag. Ah, okay. Oh, that yeah. I can lie in, so I lie, I lie flat, and then I tilt mm -hmm. the board, so I have it. Uh, That's a great yeah. idea. That's yeah. a great so, idea. And then you can lean back. I have the professional, uh, like the the, the the hard strap, so all the weight disappears from your face, which is super nice. So <laughs> I had uh, like a six-hour VR game session uh, when we were playing against uh, journalists, uh, and it wasn't any <laughs> right. problem. <laughs> well, one of the things um, I was interested in thinking about, like, because the game's only, did it come out on Thursday? Is that right? It came out on Thursday, yeah. So it's only yeah. been out for, for sort of three days at this point. This is the third mm -hmm. day. And you're getting all this feedback, I would imagine, because a lot of people love it. Um, I've not seen any any bad reviews, really, of the game. But I'm sure there are, there's plenty of comments and feedback that's coming into you as well. What? Um, so how is it at your, like developing this at the moment are you sort of working through all these comments all these feedback and trying to implement them where you see fit as well is that happening at this moment yeah absolutely we, we work a lot with uh, the community in discord uh, specifically where where people are uh, where we have like group chats where you can suggest things and, and we look at that and, and weave it in with what we're excited about and, and uh Make sure that we kind of. It's always great when you have this communication with directly with the players. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's it's fantastic. I mean, we can do it now. I can imagine all the games that were coming out years before Discord, and there was absolutely no communication with the players. And um, just thinking about it now, you can actually 
send your suggestions. You can give your Perfect. your feedback. It's it's amazing that this yeah. kind of opportunities I couldn't even dream of them like mm -hmm. years ago. And you guys are so approachable. No, it's amazing on Twitter and everything. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah, so much more. Uh, you know, better for expectation <laughs> management and, and right. everything. Like you can uh, share the roadmap what you're working on. And uh, what we did with Blaston is that we had actually uh, three different teams working on three different things at the same time. So we've been really adding a lot of different content to it. Uh, Blaston has only been out for a little bit more than half a year now. And uh, it has changed massively since we launched it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, part of this is the new, like the game engines, Unity or, or Unreal. They really provide so much power for developers to quickly do new things. Mm. So this game is be... on Unity or Unreal? This is uh, developed in Unity. All right. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, is this your favorite resolution games game? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's very it's very it's very close to my heart. But several of the games have been that in, in many ways. You see it a little bit differently when you're developing it. I mean playing it I really like I really like this one, but I also really like Baston and Acron and <laughs> Narrows, like the pirate team that we did. So Yeah, yeah, especially you can't ask which one is your favorite child. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're, you're right, you're right. That makes sense, Tatiana. <laughs> So, Tom, is seeing that there is Puzzle Bubble coming to VR, the game that I used to play also a oh, long really? time ago. Really when cool. is Candy Crush coming to VR? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually... I, I think somebody should do a really great match three game and with a, like a good progression. But at the same time, I mean, we, there is... So I'm probably thousands of them on mobile phones. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yes, clones, uh, all clones. Yeah, but um, it it is fun to do like the match three core mechanics. It's very kind of hypnotizing. And I mean, say you had a long uh, plane trip, you know, then it would be very nice to just like take your mind out of the the seat you're sitting in. Nobody's flying now. <laughs> After the pandemic, imagine that you would be flying. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Well, coming back to the board games, I like this uh, direction that the developers are taking with actually bringing the board games to VR. I believe the first one I heard of was Catan. Uh, I don't know if you played it. There's a, Catan is one of my favorite board games. Just, just to play with friends, we can talk about absolutely like unrelated things to the game and while playing. And now again with the social distancing, they brought Catan to VR so you can actually pretend like you're sitting at this table actually moving all these speakers. It's, it was so cool and I was hoping to see more of them. And Demio is just absolutely better than I could have imagined. So amazing, I really right? like the direction it's going. So I like it. I like that at the very beginning of the episode, Tommy, you said that you are, um, you know, even though... Not there's not as much money, even though it's still doing amazingly good. You can plan for the future. It's going to be getting so much better. I like hearing that. I like hearing developers being so optimistic about this technology and not just thinking about the immediate gain 
the immediate profit that you are making or, or maybe not making. So this is the, the point where I think the VR is going to grow and explode even better. I'm, I'm so excited about this. But, but Tommy, do you believe that VR will be as big as 2D gaming? Hmm. That's a, that's uh, what I believe is, I think I also am a big believer in AR. And, and I think a lot of these technologies are similar in a way. I think the use cases can be very different in some cases. Um, but a game like Demio, for instance, would work very, very similar in AR. Right? You could have the board game on your, and you can see your friends, and now you're all in your kind of living room. They would float around still and, and be less physical than they are in real world. But but it is possible. So I do think that if you group them together, VR and AR is going to be way bigger than anything we've ever seen uh, in terms of, uh, of smartphone and PCs. Okay, that makes sense. And you know what? I, I personally, and I know Gary as well, we are kind of believers in AR, in augmented reality, even though it's still far away. Yeah, but I think we believe in it. And um, here, I have the Unreal here. It's like the first uh, consumer AR headset that's going to, that's on the German market right now. It's going to come to European and US market soon. And I'm wondering, isn't Demio like an amazing game to have an AR? I'm just uh, imagining like me and my friends like um, being together in a real location, like they're really coming over here and then we're sitting around a table and we're all looking at the table and see those little Demio figures and we pick it up with our real fingers. Uh, what do you think about that? Is that something that excites you as well? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But at the same time, like right now for us as a company, we, uh, yeah. we're we focusing on making money on, on existing <laughs> yeah. hardware. That makes know? sense. So, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do believe that, you know, I would love to just uh, make a, a proof of concept version so people right. can see and, and, and understand how incredibly powerful this new technology is. Right. Mm. That, that's yeah they, they, uh, Chris Richardson has asked another good question actually in chat and this is something I was thinking of when Sebastian you were describing that everybody coming around and sitting in the same location so Chris Richardson said uh, speaking of AR any interest in porting Demio to to 5 um, the the AR thing by uh, Jerry Ellsworth I believe um, who where you all sit in the same location you've got these AR glasses but it's sort of focused around this board um, in front of you and everybody can play because it's it, it's using uh, the technology more in a way that it can be used today I suppose because it's got this board to focus on and it knows all the patterns on this board it, it can use it to generate various different kinds of games but I suppose I mean <clears throat> I don't know if you have any familiarity with with Tilt 5 but I suppose it comes down to the same thing really you know it's got to be like a, a, a user base which will justify the the porting over and that kind of stuff yeah yeah absolutely but but i mean one reason why i'm very excited about vr is as well that uh, it helps with with big problems such as global warming when when we don't have to travel like we don't have to fly over to dallas right now to hang out together in the same room right we're we're in our home it's very comfortable uh to be able to do this and then immediately jump on the next call and, and do continue your work somewhere else mm. it's mm. 
you don't have that if you need to go into the same yeah, location it's more, yeah. with regular board games, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Right, right. So I think now is the time for the last questions. If anyone in chat still has some questions for Tommy, now is the perfect time to ask those questions about Demio. And I would also like to tell everyone here that I got five um, quest codes uh, from Resolution Games. Thank you, Tommy. And these five quest games, I would like to give them to you. So I'm going to um, give them away to people who comment, who comment on today's show. So after the show or when the show is on YouTube, and once you can comment, please do leave a comment. Tell us what you think about Demio, how you feel about it, if you've played it, and if you have not played it, why would you like to try it out? And then I'm going to uh, randomize uh, the giveaway and then five people will be able to play Demio completely free. But even if you don't win it, $30 is absolutely worth it. Mm. And the cool thing is you can play it cross-play, right? You can play it against somebody who has the Quest version if you are on Steam and the other way around. It's beautiful. And that's probably the one question that I have. Um, is that complicated to make something like this happen in Unity? I think that is great. And I, I miss this for some games, right? That you are, no matter on which platform you're playing it, you're, you're, your game is platform agnostic and you simply are in that um, basement together. <laughs> that's amazing. But is it a, a big challenge for programming? Both yes and no. Like Unity makes it simple in the sense that uh, you know if I'm with a bunch of developer friends and we throw together a prototype we can test it and it works great it's like super simple but the reality is unfortunately way harder because often with a game like this or always with a game like this you have to have the same version on all the clients so we can't have like an older version of the game on one client play with something else. So that means when you launch it, it has to launch exactly, all the versions must launch at exactly the same mm -hmm. time on all the mm -hmm. platforms. And if there is bugs on one platform, it will, you know, have a four-player game and now nobody can play. So mm -hmm. it's very, very technically complex. And... VR still doesn't have support for soft launch as much as as other platforms have. And, and soft launch is when we launch, we test it in one region or like a, we can test it at one place and see that, okay, does this new version work? Uh, have we ironed out all the bugs? Now we have to kind of really <laughs> do our homework well and, and keep, you know, make sure we don't make any mistakes. And there is a there is bugs in Demio uh, that we are working on. So people are, you know, it's Saturday evening here in Sweden. People are working trying to fix this, and we will be pretty fast at ironing out the first things. I think. All right, all right, cool. So probably as a last question, um, now that you have launched this. What is your focus on? Are you already, do you already have your next game in your head? Because I know that you have so many games in your head that you want to put into VR, right? We've seen so many games from, from Resolution Games. Or is it now like you're still going to focus on Demio because there's so much things that you can do with Demio? What is, the next, what is next for Resolution Games? 
Well, we're a pretty big company now. We're uh, just at about 100 people. And wow. uh, they are uh, in parallel working with many different projects. So we, we're working with several unannounced projects mm-hmm. um, that will come out in the future. And uh, also spending a lot of effort on uh, Blaston that we, we launched half a year ago, Cookout, uh, Demio, and uh, even Acron. Still wow. people working on Wow. So you, wow, you, you are so busy and you're not uh, letting the old games just stay there. You're still keeping on making them better. That's, that's really, really incredible. All right. Uh, we have reached the two hours mark and I don't want to take too much of your time. It's, I'm already so grateful, Tommy, that you took two hours of your time so close after launch to speak with us and to directly speak with the community the VR community who is watching this. So thank you so much that you made this happen so spontaneously. <laughs> Just as today at 3, 3 p.m. if you would like to join. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been a blast. Thank you very much. Yeah. I really so, enjoyed it. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, thank you. It's been amazing, especially after playing it. Yeah. Right, right after playing it, we get to speak to you about it and share our excitement and our emotions and impressions. It's fantastic. Congratulations again on such a successful lunch. Exactly. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. Perfect. Yeah. So thank you so much also for all of you who have been listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give this a thumbs up right now, right now that we're still here. Also, please do leave a comment. Again, I have five codes for Blast On for the Quest and the Quest 2. So please do leave a comment. I'm going to find the winner. So as soon as this podcast is on YouTube, as and you can comment, do leave a comment, do let us know what how you like um, Demio, and also if you don't have it yet, why would you like to have it? And I'm going to read out your reasons. Also, I would like to thank the um, sponsor of today's show, VR Week. VR Week is going to be from 17th of May till 21st of May. It is a VR expo that is all about XR for business. And you can find the link down in the description of this video. And I got 25 free tickets for you. If you want to attend the show, probably you want to watch Pitch MRTV live in VR with me, then please send me an email. The first 25 people who send me an email to my email address that's down in the description of this video, they will get free entrance to XR Week. And now, at the very, very end, I would like to ask you to give us a five-star review. If you enjoy this podcast, if you want to say thank you that we're here every Saturday for you, then get out your iPad and iPhone, open the podcast app, which is pre-installed there, find the Next Dimension podcast, and do give us a five-star review. We are looking forward to get 100 reviews. That is our goal. So if you enjoy what we're doing here, then this would be the biggest thank you that you can give us, and I would like to thank you. That is everything that we got for today, and I would like to wish you a good evening. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.